Greetings and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where we get together every week and discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming, always bringing you interesting insights, information, and occasionally doses of entertainment. I'm sitting down with uh, two guys that are uh, with the Illinois Society of Professional Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers. That's right, ISPFMURA, and ISPFMURA, <laughs> which is really not called, it was a client of mine. I spoke to them here in February, and it was so interesting because while I understand the industry, I thought there's probably a lot of folks that are in the business of agriculture that probably wonder what exactly does a professional farm manager or rural appraiser do? And well, I kind of know what they do. What's it look like? What's it behind the scenes day of their life kind of look like? So I decided I'm going to talk to Seth Baker and Ryan Operly. Ryan and Seth are both farm managers and appraisers. We're going to give you some insight. They've been in the business for more than 20 years, each of them, of what their day looks like, what their business look like, looks like, what they see as they look at the business of agriculture moving forward. So, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. So, Ryan, real quickly, tell me a little bit about you. So, my name is Ryan Operly. We're um, uh, with Heartland Ag Group here in Forsyth, Illinois. We're glad to have you come to Macon County and present to us. Uh, we are in the farm management, farm real estate, and appraisal business. In the core of our business, we work for absentee landowners, people that own central Illinois farmland as an investment, uh, but have someone else farm it. And, and we are their fiduciary, and we manage land for people that own it but don't farm it. So a lot of folks are listening to this. Remember, I always try and bear in mind and help my guests bear in mind that maybe they own farmland. Maybe they are farmland operators, owners. Maybe they this is kind of different because they're in the industry, but they aren't. So uh, that's something that a lot of folks didn't realize. There's people that don't know anything about agriculture, Ryan. They think, well, wait a minute, you mean that there's land that these people are farming, but they don't own it? And because then some folks say, well, I heard that there's a bunch of farms being up for sale, and they think that that means that somebody put out a business. No, what that really means is land got put up for sale. Interesting statistic here in Macon County, 72% of the land is owned by absentee landowners, people that own it but don't farm it. We like to consider Macon County, Central Illinois, investment-grade farmland. It's It's been one of the best investments on the planet, um, but a large percentage of people people we work for maybe in california texas east coast uh, we do work for people that own land um, that live here locally but a lot of people are out of the area and moved on pass the mic on over to seth baker we're going to hear from him and then we're going to come back to you we're going to talk more about the farm management basically uh dear listener you're going to hear from what i decided to do is have seth talk more about the appraisal side of it and have ryan talk more about the farm management side of it so you'd understand that and if you happen to be one of those listeners that like i said this is kind of new to you there's a whole bunch of valuable assets out here that's known as farmland it's known as rural real estate and of course like anything that is an asset it needs valued it needs managed it needs to be handled like the asset that it is so seth is more on the valuation side of it seth baker welcome to the business of agriculture tell me about you hi damien thanks thanks for having me uh yeah so i uh Recently started my own company about two years ago and uh, do farm management brokerage, but really my focus has been more with the farmland appraisal side of that uh, industry and uh, just mainly do farmland appraisals a lot for lending purposes. If someone wants to buy a farm, they need to borrow some money or estate purposes, figure out what the taxes are going to be. Those two are my biggest uh, ventures in that appraisal industry, something that... uh, might be a little 
less known for appraisals I, I, and where I really like to uh, get into the business when I can is, is working with families when there's needed land needs divided. I can split farmland. I can make recommendations on how it should be split. I can be that independent third party to kind of save families from fighting amongst themselves and, and maybe my information will keep them at the dinner table for Thanksgiving. Well, I think you're a little optimistic if you think you're going to keep families from fighting amongst themselves just because you gave them actual accurate data or a professionally uh, surmised appraisal having just gone through this. But that's okay. Uh, some of these folks out here in, in radio land right now are saying, oh God, like an appraisal would have kept me from fighting with my sister or my brother. So that's fine. When you do an appraisal, okay, now some of the folks on this listening are saying, well, wait a minute. I mean, I bought a house. It got appraised. But it's a little different when it comes to agricultural land. You've got things like the improvements, drainage, uh, drainage ditch, drainage tile. You've got things like grain handling facility. You've got things like infrastructure with putting in driveways and roads or buildings. Uh, lots, of, lots of moving parts right there. How many times do these folks that you work for argue with you? Uh, I get a few arguments every now and again, but not, not really as many as you might think. Um, you know, everybody thinks that all farms are the same and should have the same value if they're not from the area. Yeah, I just heard a farm. I just heard a farm down the road sold for twice what you're saying mine's worth. Well, how far down the road? What's it look like? And also, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Go ahead and expand on that. Yeah, you'll certainly get some of that. Um, usually a lot of times my arguments will be if I'm doing an appraisal and someone's going to be buying based on that appraisal. Uh, the person buying it, of course, thinks it's too high, and the person selling it thinks it's too low. So if they're both mad at me, I'm usually about right. So there's there's an old saying I'm, I'm told from uh, some sort of a Lebanese trader that goes like, uh, what is one plus one? Am I buying or am I selling? <laughs> there's your answer. <laughs> yep, that's right. All right, back to farm management. Okay, there's all this asset. There's all this property that's out here. And I'm from Indiana. You're from Illinois. And it's a little different where we're from. You know, the, the person that's, uh, uh, you know, in, in Cape Cod right now, and Cape Cod Cranberry Growers Association was a client of mine several years ago. I always think, okay, what's different? Well, what they need to understand is this part of the world grows the crap out of soybeans and corn. This part of the world where we're sitting right now, Six foot of topsoil, prairie prairie type soils, this is as good as it gets. That's why, as you said, this is investment grade property. And you manage this on the folks' behalf. So after uh, Seth goes in and does what he does, and then it gets sold, and then there's your buyer, there's your investor. Then they say, I want to be in Texas running my business. I just was looking at this as an investment. Ryan, here you are. What do you do? One of the biggest things that we do on behalf of our landowners is we execute their goals and objectives. What you want from a farmland ownership perspective might be different than uh, the next person. So it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all business in our world. Um, you know, it all goes back to goals and objectives. Most of the people we work for want a fair return, but not necessarily the highest return. If you know, they have other things that you addressed in your uh, presentation to us today. It's not all about the almighty dollar. There's there's other things. Uh, Asset I, preservation is. I, I want to keep this in the family for my kids. I want to leave it in better shape than I. You know, we've got some people that are buying groceries off the farm income and some that don't need the farm income and everything in between. But it's a valuable asset in the family. 
And uh, here again, it's all about the owner's goals and objectives. When you do this management, you go in there and say, okay, here's what we can do for you. Or it, it, again, it's going to be based on your objectives. And what is your, uh, so let's say I'm down the road, I'm another farm manager, and I want to get those assets under management. What's the pitch that Ryan Operley pitches that Damian Mason, as your competitor down the road, doesn't? We try to tailor um, the farm management needs to the client. Um, you know, most people have a good relationship with their existing farm operator. And, and yeah, we've got competitors in the in the farm management business. Um, but a lot of people look at uh, larger farm operations as saying, what do you need a farm manager for? Isn't this as simple as cash in a check every year there's a lot more that goes into it um you know digging into a lot of the details and, and that's what we can really um help facilitate and at the end of the day we are we have a fiduciary responsibility to our clients they pay us and we don't want to insert ourselves and get in the middle of a good farm owner and a farm tenant relationship um I, i've got a family that uh, i work for that um they, they asked us, said, hey, I want you to take care of this. My uh, nephews farm the land. And at first I'm like, whoa, I don't know that I want to get in the middle of a Yeah, so you're stepping right, you're stepping right in the middle of a, a family, a relationship, and also a big pile of doo-doo. Right. And so it, it's been a wonderful relationship, and we've got a good relationship with the farm operators and our clients. Did they use you because they wanted to have a little distance between, maybe it was a little too close, and they said, we want you, we want our nephews to be the farmers and operators on this, but we want someone in between in case uh, there is going to be somebody getting hot. I want it to be between you. We like to say we want to help facilitate the, the business side of it. Sometimes it's messy when you're doing business with family. When you hire a third party like us, uh, you know, we, we help facilitate market terms. Sometimes it's, you may or may not get market terms and family deals. And so I think what the objective was of this particular client was, hey, we're not going to be around forever. We want to we want to set this up for the next generation, but have it market based. And at the end of the day, um, the farm operators have told the family said, hey, I think you might have done us a favor by turning turning that over to them thinking, hey, we might be able to grow our operation. They'll give us consideration on future farm rentals yeah that, that that's the you're you're looking at it as uh this is the right thing because you're building your next uh business and and it maybe is uh positive for everybody going over to seth so seth we just heard from ryan that uh there's the uh the nephews and boy oh boy there's there, there was a can of worms that could have gotten opened up you probably do this all the time i'm gonna go to an estate thing so everybody listening says okay i understand appraisal now, there's a lot more moving parts on a piece of agricultural land or, or three pieces of agricultural land. One of them is wooded. One of them is a meadow. One of them is the prime farmland. One of them has a farmstead on an old house. And then it's grandma's house. And then, oh, my goodness, oh, I can't let see grandma. I used to go there and she'd bake us cookies. I can't let. It's more worth more than $48,000. So there you are. And now you're caught between the dog and the fire hydrant. What's Seth do? Uh, yeah, so you, did, you pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head right there. A lot of uh, older farmhouses that get appraised at uh, what the markets tell me they're worth, and, and it's not what the the memories are telling the uh, heirs that, that that property should be worth. And, and let's just say you've got like a 120-acre chunk of ground that was grandma and grandpa's, and the home and, and an acre and a half of it are worth $63,000. And some of the outside heirs, because I bought a place that was like this, all they could think about was that house. I mean, they just loved that house. They remember eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches there with grandma and grandpa. And by golly, this house, was, it's just got so much memory. And it was worth $77,000 on a property that was worth 
10 times that when you talk about the rest of the farm ground. You run into that all the time. No, absolutely. Yeah, we... Uh we see that quite a bit. Uh, the other thing that we'll get run into sometimes as appraisers, the you know, that's grandpa's farm. Grandpa told me that was the best farm in the state and, and it should be worth what I read in the, the paper that top farm ground was going for. So it won't always be the case. But uh, I think the biggest value for having an appraiser, a, a professional appraiser, is not only am I going to give you the value of what the market says that's worth, but, but my report's going to explain why. It's going to show you some of the other sales in the area and really give a breakdown to exactly help help those owners understand why that value is what it is. So you pull the comps. There's three methods of an appraisal, right? There's three three methods of pulling a value. That's you can correct. do the comps, and, and, and which means the comparables. The one that was down the road, and again, if it's three miles down the road, but it's a completely different style of property, then it's almost not really a comp. So tell me about pulling comps, and also tell me about the other two methods of valuation. Sure. So yeah, the... Typically, the best way to appraise would be to use comparable sales. And, and as an appraiser, you've got to decide what what is what would be comparable. Is it is it the farm down the road that's completely different? You you know has timber or something, or or is the one 15 miles away that is almost the same? Is that going to work better? So you get spend a lot of time with that. Um, uh, figuring out which ones you're going to use. So and, the two and, methods besides comparables, if I need to pull a value, right? So the other two methods are uh, sales, or excuse me, the uh, income approach. So I'm going to take the income that that property can produce. I'm going to take a look at the market, what kind of return the market wants, uh, if they're going to be an investor, and then and use that uh, rate to determine what the value is. So this would be like saying, this will rent for $10,000. If you want a 5% return on your money, then you run the money and you do that. That's a cap rate, so to speak. Cap rate. Exactly right. So you use that cap rate. So to our, to our non-real estate investing listener right now, just give them the, the ABCs of cap rate and all that. You're just basically sitting down saying, either this is what it's worth or this is what the market wants for a return. Go ahead. Right. So if, uh, if you're an investor and you say, I want 5% return, and we know the farm can make $250 an acre, we can do that math real quick and decide what it is worth to that investor. And it's, it's just simple math, and, and you, you go out and figure out what the market return is to kind of help you determine what the value of that property Com is. Comparables, comparable sales, income approach. Third method is the cost approach. And the cost approach is used more for buildings, but you can use it uh, with farm land. You can break down your timber land versus your tillable land, pasture crp uh, but basically the cost approach you take uh, what the cost of that different type of land is and you break it down and you you take the acres and times the price of that part of it and add it all together uh, the the that comes more for buildings is what be more traditionally used for yeah, and, and green, that green bins and improvements right. potentially so, so in that case you're taking the what would what would it cost me to build a house and then uh, then we're going to figure out what the depreciation is of the house that sits there that would be similar and that's why a lot of these folks are going to need to realize they better go with comparables because if you're taking something that's depreciated over 75 or 125 years it's going to get down to where it's not worth much all right passing the microphone over to my friend ryan by the way if you somehow dropped your cup of coffee and you said wait a minute what's going on here on this business of agriculture episode well damien what are we doing today we're talking to uh ryan and seth and they are with the illinois society of professional farm managers and rural appraisers and also we're uh getting to the point where it's time for a commercial and you're saying commercial wait a minute Damien, are you selling out yes of course i'm gonna remind you that 
I make a living getting on stage and talking. Just like I talk to these people with this professional association today, I would like to come and talk to your association. So if you are a member of a professional association, organization, or corporation, please consider bringing me to your next meeting. We'll make it worth your while. All right, Ryan. I owned my first chunk of farm real estate, and I bought it in the year 2000. Next to it, contiguous to it, was about 450 tilbill acres, which is 600 total acres, and it was under professional management. And I do remember a little bit of the, um, shall we say, uh, neighborhood talk. You know, the folks that were there, they didn't like this idea that somebody was making money on that. Why would you need a professional farm manager? I know what I'm doing. I've been farming my whole life. Why, that Ryan guy, he doesn't know as much about farming as I do. Respond. A lot of times, if we can't help solve a problem, we're the first to get out of the way. So we, we like to think of ourselves in the industry as being problem solvers or adding value of some sort. I think there was also a little bit of sour grapes that that particular person that maybe said that to me, if there was such a person, was of the opinion that uh, that there was somebody that was uh, giving influence that they wanted to be influencing. And sometimes that's your real role. You are being the conduit that's also the insulation, that's also the firewall, that's also the advisor. Tell me about some of those things. Well, a lot of times you can get into a new situation and you got to go in with caution and, and here again, understand the facts and the background and the read the situation. But sometimes when, when you're a, a farm manager or a new guy on the scene, you got to be careful because there, there's some history and there's a reason why somebody reached out to you. Yeah, they wanted to fire the existing tenant, and they wanted you to be the heavy. What What was the – did we get called in to be the Terminator or make the least – you know, a lot of times if, if things are going well, you may or may not need a farm manager. We like to think we're either needed when times are so good or when there's, when there's problems out there, and we get called in to solve problems. That's exactly what I was going to go with is what problems do you solve, and that's exactly right. Sometimes you're the heavy. Sometimes you're the Terminator. Sometimes you are truly handling something that they don't know what to do. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got maybe some heirs that come into something, and Seth has done his job of getting the whole appraisal, and then they did all their taxes, and they said, well, we don't want to sell. Well, we are in out of state. What do we do? And then that's where you step in. And, and a lot of times what we get called in for is, like on the, uh, on the example of the f- getting put into a family situation, that was a fixed – uh, multi-year lease, fixed cash rent lease, multi-year, and what what happens over time is multi-year leases are fine, but they're not very common in agriculture around here. We're in a dynamic industry; things change. Corn goes to seven dollars. Corn goes back to three fifty. So it's all about that gross income. And at the end of the day, in our business, the lease on the farm should equitably carve up gross income the farmer should get rewarded for bringing labor and the farming in in the farming practices and the landowner should get compensated for um owning that market-based asset so you help them make money and you take the care of their headache then you're compensated how are you compensated typically our industry works on a percentage of the gross income everybody it's America. We all run our businesses differently, but I think it's safe to say in our industry, uh, farm, manage, farm managers generally work on a percentage of the gross income. What about you, uh, Seth? So how are you compensated? If you go out and, okay, there, there's going to be an appraisal. Now, do you actually, let's say there's going to be an auction, because in our part of the world, a lot of real estate, agricultural real estate, sells at auction. Are you the person that does that, or you just bring in some person to do the auction? Tell me how that works. Uh, yeah, for appraisals, so I'll bid out each project so it'll be a flat fee that that the uh, customer will know ahead of time 
Um, and, and yeah, uh, and you do that based on how much work is going to be, how big the acreage is, well, how many I mean buildings you've got to go and kick the bricks on, that kind of thing. Right. That's yeah. I'll take a look at the property, uh, just determine how much time I think that's going to take uh, from my experience. And then, now you and, can admit, Seth, since it's just me and Ryan sitting here on the business of agriculture and our thousand or so listeners, you just make this stuff up, right? I mean, you just pull this, you just pull this <laughs> out of your, you, know, you just like you just reach down and just like pull out a number out of a hat, right? Only when I really have to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I actually uh, try not to do that. Of course, uh, the state, I am licensed with the state of Illinois, so they frown upon that and uh, have some rules in place that, that really don't uh, look too kindly on that. So uh, I certainly try to, to get my best shot at, at the true market value. All right. Well, we just talked about uh, leases over here with uh, Ryan. And if you are appraising something and there's a lease on it, does that make it worth more money, worth less money? It depends on the lease. Tell me how that works. So, yeah, that... Uh, Depends on the lease, and it also depends on who your likely buyers are. If it's an investor and it's a strong lease and maybe it's a couple years of good return, it can help. What do we talk about when Ryan said that multi-year leases are not very common, but sometimes these relationships last for years and years and years. So we have the handshake that we're going to be in business for a long time, but the actual return is going to be one year, two year. What's a normal number? Uh, Yeah, normal number would be one year, and most of my appraisals will assume a one-year lease unless I'm told otherwise. Um, you can. So, do you sit down and do paperwork on that every year, Ryan? Absolutely. Uh, all of our leases are in writing. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff over time that has been just a handshake. But and the dollar and the dollar amount or the terms change every year or can. Uh, typically, most of the stuff around here that we manage is on is on a flexible cash rent lease or some type of participation but the standard cash rent is is common but with all the changing dynamics a lot of stuff has moved to a flexible cash rent lease which is essentially a uh, base rent and then a bonus based on um, yields prices all the different things that change and so uh, most farmers don't mind paying you bonus because that means they made money absolutely but if you try to get that out of them up front Risk is a four-letter word in agriculture. Yeah, so they, they like they're willing to pay they're willing to pay the bonus, but after the fact when they've actually when the crop's been harvested. All right, going over to Seth. We talked before we started recording. I said, you got any stories of uh, situations that blew up? Any situations that just you know, give me some war stories, some horror stories? Give me some stories. <laughs> yeah, so uh, farm managers and rural appraisers kind of known for sitting around telling their war stories, uh, especially after maybe a beer or two. Uh, but, uh, yeah, some from an appraisal side. Well, right uh, now my listeners are saying, all right, let's bust them open. Well, all right, come on. Yeah. All right, let's give go. Me, give me a story. What's going on? Like maybe one where it just absolutely you walked away and thought, man, that looks like a mess. Or you're saying, boy, I sure prevented a mess. Yeah, so you will uh, – uh, one I had not happen not too long ago, and hopefully they're not listening and can figure out who I'm talking about. But it was a family situation where uh, – Uh, They kind of understood what the split of the farm was going to be, but didn't really agree on who the executor of the estate was and whose mom's favorite was and uh, was pretty sure that uh, one of the siblings was taking advantage of the other two. And and so I had to gotten involved to appraise the property as a whole for the estate. And then uh, after that, got calls from the other siblings wanting their portion of that appraised and and some infighting ensued and some disagreements and and some different things. And it took. I don't even want to guess how many phone calls that took between family members, and and this was over Thanksgiving, and and they told me they weren't getting together for Thanksgiving this Christmas, or but uh, I told them maybe by Christmas we can get this all figured out and then get back together. Did it end up being resolved? So I did uh, my 
professional assistants, I believe, did help the situation. They got to a point where they felt like they all had the information uh, on the value to at least understand what was happening, what was their parents' goal. And uh, I do th- I do think that did resolve things. There was some things said that maybe will uh, take a little time to heal. Yeah, but, uh, that's <laughs> the nature of the farm thing. When my mother died, I read about that time when she was dying, and the farm I was raised on was nothing shiny. Uh, I had a family member tell me that they had read in the Wall Street Journal, which I'm not even sure if they if they did, but someone told them uh, there's a the, they read that the farmland's worth ten thousand dollars an acre, and and they said, is that what Grandma's place is worth? Meaning my mom's. And I about dropped my beer. In fact, I wouldn't. I didn't because I, I tried not to ever drop my beer but uh, i almost did on that one because i said uh uh that's that's about um it's about three to four times what it's worth. three times probably so then you get people arguing with you who are you to value this right yeah certainly uh you know once somebody has an idea in their head what something's worth it doesn't matter uh, uh what you tell them as a professional they are they already know what it's worth and that's uh, what they're going to believe and and so you do run into that, and that, that's a little bit of this situation is, is one of the three of the siblings kind of thought they knew what it was worth, and it took a while to convince them otherwise, but we did get there, I, I think. so. Ryan, give me a war story. Give me a story that's a, you know, maybe it ends up good or it ends up bad. Tell me what happened. You know, it, it's such a rewarding career. Uh, all the different people, diverse people you work for, there's so many stories. It's hard to uh, come up with all of them, but uh, I, I guess I would focus on the, the diversity of the people we get to work with. And sometimes, it, you know, it, it, it's a wonderful relationship and you might get involved in stuff that's like, sometimes I remind myself, it's like, aren't we just farm managers where you get involved in a family and you work for them for 20 years on a professional level, but it, it leads into other stuff. And it's like, wait a second, aren't we just the farm manager here? And it just goes to tell you uh in agriculture you know relationships are strong uh we went out to a memorial service uh for a, a client that passed away and out uh, out in arizona and thought we were just gonna show up and well hey glad you guys came out but we need you to be the pallbearers we're gonna uh bury uncle jim right here at the ranch and and uh so we thought we were just coming to a, a service and they said meet us out at the ranch we're going to open the gate and bring him lay uncle jim to rest on the on the on the ranch well that's that's a good story it means you have a positive relationship with them and uh, hopefully it continues on after you laid jim to rest and about three weeks ago got a phone call though on on one that was interesting and um the people say hey we we need you to just be on the lookout they may they may call you there's a family member passed away and everybody's going to start you know sorting through things i said well has the group met well they officially can't talk right now because there's a restraining order amongst the two (laughs) co-executors so it's like okay you get into all kinds of stuff and that that's an example of one that uh you you don't know what's out in front of you all right that's 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 i can see it and everybody listening here that's been involved in family farm relationships knows exactly that that could be that way uh about your business uh zillowization that's that's the word i'm I'm terming it up here all right what's going to happen i mean we've got technology in one of your sessions they talked about technology um I look at Zillow. I look at my Arizona house and look at Zillow. Does Zillow come to agricultural real estate, Seth? And maybe not Zillow per se. It could be sure. Farm Zillow. So yeah, there there is a company right now trying to work on that, and, and uh, Acre Value is the name of that company. And and they have you can go to their website and look up, uh, click on your farm, and it'll tell you what their logarithmic 
equation says it's worth. I'm not sure how that all works. And and, and then we've looked at that and it can be accurate or it can be not so accurate. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's coming. And it, while it's not perfected yet, like Zillow, I think has had some issues as well as trying to get those values right. Uh, it, it'd be silly as me as a professional to say, well, we're going to go backwards with technology. We're just going to keep going. And that technology will get better. Uh, as, as a professional appraiser, I have some comfort level knowing that it's pretty difficult to appraise a farm. Uh, you really have to take a look at it. You've got to know the local, the local community, the the players. There's not as many buyers and sellers in certain areas than others. Uh, you, there might be a guy that's buying ground left and right, but he won't go north of some river or north of the highway. You never know what that might be if you're not on the ground and know. Okay, he won't buy that one because it's two miles farther away than he's willing to yeah, go. Yeah, within three miles doesn't necessarily mean that we're talking apples to apples. These things change. Weather, geography, big players, competitive marketplace, soil type, glaciation, you know, you can go on and on and on about that. What is going to matter looking forward? Interest rates. What's it going to do? I think interest rates will have to go up. They started to, to creep up already. And, and uh, so the question really is when does that start to affect farmland values? And, and it probably should and and we don't know exactly when that will be it, it there's two two fold obviously you're going to borrow money to buy a farm most people don't have that kind of money that just lying around and uh, you got to borrow that money so how what's the rate and then of course the probably the more important thing that, that maybe people don't realize is is if the interest rates go up there's competition for that money if i can get three percent putting it in the bank at a in a cd well that's better than the two and a half percent buying a farm with all the expense of, of buying that farm. Well, that's the thing. I've actually predicted we're going to see about, I think there's 10% of give in this marketplace, meaning the Plain States and in the, in the Midwest where we're from. I think that there's 10% of give yet in the ag land real estate. And it's not just because of interest rates on the borrowed side. It's actually return on cash for people that say, I've got half a million dollars to put into uh, real estate investment. So I think there's 10% of give. Is there 10% of downside yet on the ag real estate? I think there is 10%. That, that's what I've been telling some people that asked me. It's, it's held surprisingly strong. It really has is not there 20%? dropped. Is there 20%? 20, 20, 20 would be, I don't think there's 20. Because we've already come down, what, 25? We've, we've come down 20 to 25% already. And there are, I have talked to a lot of people interested in buying, and they have a number that's, that's less than 10% down that they're going to jump in. And there's a lot of those people just waiting. They're waiting until we see another 10% yeah. drop. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. What do you, you give me a prediction, interest rates, uh, what's it going to do on agriculture? Give me some numbers, give yeah. me some ideas, give me some thoughts. So I, I think we've, uh, like you guys just discussed, we've, we've seen the market settle back in here. And if you look back over a, a long slice of time, uh, in the last 40 years, land values have only backed up, what, Seth, a couple, two, three times, you know, there were, there was a fair amount of stress in the eighties, um, you know, and we peaked out in year in 2012, and we've settled back about 20%. And like Seth said, I think there's a lot of people in the marketplace, investors, not just uh, local uh, farmland buyers, but there's pension and investment funds that are, are getting more and more active, ready to buy the break. So 
Longer term, we're cautiously optimistic. We The water's just fine. Come on in. Yeah, well, that's that, we're all kind of in agreement here. I guess if we see a 20% meltdown, I'll be tremendously surprised. 10% of give, actually, from the numbers we are, isn't really all that much, especially if you've got a long-term view. And I agree with both of you that there's plenty of money sitting around. But we've been telling ourselves a story for a while. What if other asset classes start really, really clipping along? Pension money can go anywhere. Money is very, uh, shall we say, mobile. Fluid. <laughs> And one of the other things we're seeing in the marketplace is it's like politics. Everything's local. You you might uh, see a, a farm that's 140 PI in one county bring 7,500. Wait and, a minute. And, PI? You, better, you better tell somebody what that means. It's a listening. productivity index. So, you know, you look at the uh, weighted average productivity index of each soil type. And so markets are all local. You, you look at, um, you know, a good farm in Macon County uh, that, might bring in the low nines and go to western illinois or another hot neighborhood where you got uh, well-funded families and uh, saying i'm going to go to that thing and come home with a deed and they may push it to 12 5 or 13 on a very similar quality soil so dear it, listener he's, he's saying high nines low nines means nine thousand to ten thousand dollars per acre and then he just said twelve to thirteen thousand dollars an acre and some of you are probably just dropping your you're just dropping your coffee saying what in the world i'm out here and i'm out here in western kansas where like we haven't had we haven't seen a drop of rain for uh six months yes they do have illinois land that sells for twelve thousand dollars an acre still today in 2019 uh, speaking of which, let's bring it back to Seth, and then you give me your closing thoughts. Money, numbers, et cetera. Closing thoughts. We were talking about 10%. What else do you see? Last thought. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think 10% would be another, uh, would be my thought on, on where we could go with farmland values. Uh, other things that, that coming down the road that I, I, you're starting to see, uh, especially around here, non-GMO and organic stuff has been pretty resisted by, by farmers. Uh, obviously, it make GMOs make life easy for the farmer. You can get the crop in and, and produce big yields. Um, I think we're starting to see these producers realize that, uh, you know, why fight this? They're paying a premium. Let's provide them with what they want. Uh, so we'll, I think we'll see an increase in, in some organic uh, production or even non-GMO like there are fields with not too far from me that while they are not organic they also are not GMO and there is an important distinction there that if somebody doesn't understand non-GMO doesn't mean it's organic it means it's not genetically engineered seed right right and we're seeing you know we've seen a couple and sometimes those fetch a premium right they do especially we've seen some organic farms because it takes about three years to take a farm from traditional farming practices to organic uh, but once you get it there we've seen a premium of, of up to a thousand dollars per acre so if you can if you can find a way to take your farm to organic and make some money on the three years while you're getting it there uh, it's certainly worth uh, looking at that in the long term and i think we'll see some more of that as you know i think we're going to divide into your ultra large farmers that just produce commodities and that's it but the uh, the other guys are going to have to get more of a niche market and get smaller and more concentrated and really value added products uh, that's like what i talked about in my presentation today. I think, okay I think right i heard that sometime today all right ryan closing thoughts yeah keep in mind what i said earlier we're in the business of executing owners goals and objectives so as generations uh, move further and further away from production agriculture but still own the land as an investment you've really um brought a lot of that stuff to our attention today in in your presentation but it really is resonating we need to pay attention to our 
uh, owners' goals and objectives. And, you know, a lot of people that live out on the coast and run in different circles than we do here in flyover country is, uh, you know, d- different uh, different forces on their thought process. Yeah, they, they are. They, while, while we might sit here in, in the Midwest and say, well, they're only going to care about getting the money. Maybe that was that was a case. Of, it was always the gripe about heirs of a certain time. Where they were absentee and they just wanted the money. I see it more and more being about preserving grandma's place or I want there to be a certain type of agriculture that happens here. I want to be involved in hemp production because I'm out here working for a tech company in Silicon Valley and I don't even care about the money. I want my grandma's farm in Illinois to grow hemp. I mean, that could be a reality. Are you prepared? Anything and everything, we're, we're ready. And that's why you're here at this conference. All right. I really appreciate Seth Baker and Ryan Opperly have been here with me. They are farm managers and rural appraisers. They are members of the Illinois Society of Professional Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers. That's right. Uh, I'm Damian Mason. I really appreciate you kicking in for this episode. Thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate you having us. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. Till next time, this is the Business of Agriculture.